0: To add to your favorite teacher list, Uh, we're having Leslie Roby share with us today, which is really exciting. As you guys know, we are going through the book of Psalms this summer, uh, just learning from the wisdom of God contained in this uh, mixtape of the scripture. This week, Leslie is going to share with us. She's a life group leader in our midst. She's a teacher at White Rock Elementary, mom to four, uh, wife to one, and uh, man, (laughs) I got it it on. um, Man, this is a, a great woman of God. We're so blessed to have her and her family as a part of our church. I could go on and on. I almost teared up thinking about how much Christina and I love your family in the first service. And I'm really excited for her to get to share with you. Part of our vision as a church is that we believe that God has, when you come to Christ, God places things in you by the Holy Spirit, gifts that are meant for service to build up the body, to strengthen his church, and also places of ministry within the city. And that looks a thousand different ways because God's gifted us in a thousand different ways. But when we come together in faith and when we realize where the Spirit's at work in us and we use those gifts for the glory of God, man, it builds a beautiful church. It also builds a beautiful city where people experience the love of Christ. And so we want to be a place where you are trained and inspired and equipped in the way that God's gifted you to be a part of his mission here in this city. Leslie, there's a gift of teaching on her life that 99.9% of the time is exercised in the elementary school classroom, fourth grade, White Rock Elementary, incredible teacher. Uh, but I'm excited for her to be able to share out of that teaching gifting that God's given her to be able to share from the Word of God and to share what God, how God has, has uh developed her and grown her, and I think it's going to be a blessing to you. Uh, It's inspired me in the first service. It it challenged me. It helped me. In my faith, I believe it's going to do the same for you. So if you will give her a warm greeting, I'm going to give you the microphone, and you can take over.
1: Okay, um, hi, we, uh, my husband Daniel and I love getting to be a part of this church, we were actually part of the church in Waco, and um, just love you guys, have made so many great friends here, um, I want to share with you, for there's so many that I don't know, and I haven't even seen before, I want to share with you a little bit of my story, just so you kind of have a little picture of who I am, um, I actually grew up here in Dallas, in Lake Highlands, and um, I had a great family. Um, parents who loved me, um, an awesome brother, just had, had, a, had a great family. Um, when I was 12 years old, I got to go to this camp called Pine Cove. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah. Um, and it's um, it's a Christian camp, just a summer camp for kids. And I went there and got to hear the full gospel for the first time. And when I heard about Jesus and who he was, it just completely changed my life. Like as soon as I heard about who he was and how much he loved us and um, how he died on the cross for us, um, I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to give my life to him. And so I did. I gave my life to him there and um, was just forever changed. That began a relationship with him that um, just has never stopped growing. Um, after that, there I spent years of just feel like growing in my relationship with God, having so many people invest in me. Um, I had, there's a, a lady when I was in ninth grade, a lady who um, started a Bible study for some, me and a couple of my friends, like she was helping us with cheerleading or something, and she was like, hey, I want to start a Bible study for you guys, and um, that that forever changed me. She taught us how to spend time with God, and I think for the first time, I was like, oh, okay, I was empowered to grow in my relationship with God, and she, it was so simple, like it was nothing complicated at all. She really just kind of Um, shared her life with us and let us see what she did and um, talked to us about her relationship with God. And it completely changed my life. And so um, just a quick encouragement for you guys, if you're investing in someone, one person, two people, three people, whatever, whoever it is, that investment can totally change someone. Um, And I think sometimes we forget that. I know like I teach kids. And so the people that I love investing in are kids. And a lot of times you don't you don't see um, the change right away, or you don't see um, what God is doing in them right away because they don't really have words to express it. But um, I always think back to hey, one person took time to invest in me, and she probably couldn't tell a difference at the time, but um, it changed me completely. So, um, also kind of back up a little bit when I was, um, so I told you I went to, to Pine Cove, gave my life to Jesus. Um, I came home a few months later, kind of out of the blue. Um, my dad told us that he was leaving and it, my parents got divorced. It just devastated me. I was really close with him. It totally caught me off guard. Um, Again, like I said, we had like a really normal, perfect family and it completely changed me. But then I looked back and I was like, okay, but God saved me right before then. And I knew I had, um, you know, my heavenly father with me um, through that time, so I'll share that a little bit more about that later. But for ten years after that, I really didn't have a relationship with my dad and kind of um, kind of shut him out. I'll go back to that later. Um, after let's see, after high school, um, I we went to Baylor and was an education major. And um, the weekend after we graduated, um, my husband and I we had met when we were fifteen in high school, so we were high school sweethearts. Uh we met when we were 15 and went on like a, a double date, like whatever 15 year olds do on a double date. I don't know. Um, but and so we went out on a date and I was like, yeah, no, I do not like him at all. Like I don't I never will go out with him again, right? Um, and a year later he was speaking at a church that I had gone to, like at this youth group, and all of a sudden I was like, Oh, I kinda like this guy. Like it's like, I don't know. Um I, like, I could see him for who he was, and I just, I was like, I I want to marry that guy. Not at the time, I don't think I thought that, but eventually I was like, I, I want to marry this guy. And um, I got to, so a, the the weekend after he we graduated Baylor, um, we got married, and then we went to the Antioch Training School, the missions training school in Waco, and um, from there went to do church planting in Portland. Um, so when we were... In um, When we were in Portland, we worked with street kids a lot and um, kind of the homeless youth and loved it, then moved back to Dallas five-ish years ago, and we have been um, uh, here, and I've been teaching in a private school for a few years and now in public school, and I love what I do. I love working with kids. Um, I love getting to teach. I'm just so thankful to be where we are. A quick, quick side note. In college, we had to take I think everybody did, or maybe just education majors. I don't know, because we do a lot of public speaking. We had to take a class on public speaking. And I absolutely hated it. Like, hated it, dreaded it, stressed out about it, was like anxious over it. We had to give six speeches over the course of a semester. And every single one, I am sure I shed tears over and like complained about. I hated it. And at the end of the class, I was like, never again. I will never speak in public again. Teaching is one thing, but public speaking, no. And here I am. Um, So, and just a few quick stories. Um, If you ever think, like, well, people really don't have bad public speaking experiences. It's not true because I've had them, two of them, um, to be exact. And I'm going to share those with you just so you can maybe feel better about yourself. I don't know. Um, Okay, so when I was teaching at this private school my first year, at the end of the year, there's like this, kind of graduation ceremony for them. And the kids, like the class comes up behind you and you as the teacher kind of share something memorable about the class. And then they kind of perform something. So first year I get up there and these kids are like my favorite. I love these kids. So we get up there, the class is behind me. I turn around and look at them. It's our last day of school. And I just start weeping, like totally crying so hard. I could not talk. And I'm in front of all these people and I was already nervous about it. Couldn't say anything. I don't even know, like, how I ended it. But I probably was like, okay, we're just going to move on now. You know, like, get down. So then the kids have to perform something, right? So my class was going to sing. They learned this um, song memorizing the order of all the U.S. presidents. So they get up there. The song goes on. I am, like, just so embarrassed. And I'm sitting there still crying. Can't get over it. And thinking, oh, my gosh, what am I, like, what is going on? The kids are crying. And I... They start singing the whole song. They knew it perfectly, like we did it all the time. They start singing this song. Halfway through, they, for, they get off and just forget the rest of it. So not only had I, like, gone up there and cried, then I'm like, and here's my great class, and they get up there, and they can't even remember the words to the song, and it was just really bad. So then next year, I'm like, this happens again. We have the end of the year ceremony. I'm like, I'm going to make up for it. This year, I am ready. Like, I had my notes. I had, like, note cards, that I was like, I'm going to say this. I'm not going to cry, and then I'm going to sit down and get out of here, Right? So I go up there, I have my note cards, I go to set them down on this big wooden podium, and as I set them down, wind like catches them, and they slowly drift to the ground. And it was one of those things where I was like, they all went out of order, and I just kind of watched them slowly fall, and they like wouldn't hit the ground fast enough. So I was like, okay, you can do this, I'm going to pull it together. I bend down to pick them all up, and as I stand up, that big wooden podium, I slam my head on the podium. Yeah, like one of those, like, real loud, and everyone that, oh, you know that? So I did that, and everyone, I mean, it, it hurts so bad, but I was like, I'm okay. I've got this. I'm okay, and I, like, gave my speech. Anyway, so here I am, and um, there are bad public speaking experiences. I hope this is not one of them, but, you know, if there is, we'll add, add to my list, um, Okay, so today we're going to talk about Psalms, and I love the book of Psalms because um, I think it reveals so much of God's character. There was a summer uh, back when I was in college where I kind of just took one Psalm a day, and I had a little notebook, and I would just write down different characteristics of God that I would read about in that Psalm, and it was so, so good. One of my favorite things I've ever done, just to really get to know God because there's things in there that... What, that surprised me, that I was like, I didn't know this about God. There's things that you see consistently throughout, like God is always faithful. He is always patient. Um, anyway, just such a good way to get to know God. So um, today we're going to look at Psalm 91, and the word I felt like God gave me for this psalm is foundations. And I think in Psalm 91, we see three foundational characteristics of who God is. Um, so if you'll look up at the screen... The first one is that God is our dwelling place. We can find rest in him as we practice his presence. God is our protection. We can trust him to take care of every part of our lives. And God speaks his promises. We can receive and believe the truth. Okay, so this first one, God is our dwelling place. Um, Several years ago, I had a dream that God gave me that was so real to me. One of those dreams where you're like, I think that just happened. Um, And in this dream, I... God was standing there with, like, these big wings kind of covered and closed in the front, um, and I was inside, like, standing underneath him. He was huge, and I was really little, and um, in, in that place, I looked out. I could kind of see between where the wings covered and met, and outside, there was a huge storm going on, like, something to the effect of, like, a big hurricane, and it was just crazy and awful, and I I was on the inside, and on the inside of standing under God's wings um, was the most peace I have ever felt. Um, It was completely quiet and calm and and peaceful. I don't know another word for it. Um, And I was able to look out and see the storm and see kind of the craziness, but I didn't feel any of it. All I felt was peace because I was standing under God's protection, his covering. Um, and the reason I share that with you is because when I read Psalm 91, I can't help but read it through that lens and through that perspective, seeing myself in that place. And I think that's where, that's a place where God wants us to live is in knowing that we're in his protection, in his covering. And so I hope that as we read this Psalm today, that you guys will be able to picture yourselves um, in that place as well. Okay, so if you'll turn with me to um, Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2, we'll kind of take a couple verses at a time. Um Verse 1 and 2, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Okay, and that word dwell there, the word dwell means to live in a particular place as a resident, to abide, and to hang around. And I think, isn't that such a picture of God? He wants us to hang around with him, to hang out with him. Um, Like When I think of dwell, I think of like a house, being at home, a place where you can go and relax and be comfortable, Uh, girls where you don't have to wear your makeup or have your hair done, but you can just go and be yourself. You can hang out with with God and be you. You don't have to put on a performance or um, make conversation. You're just yourself. And sometimes you come home and it's been a rough day and maybe... You don't love how the day went, and that's okay because you're at home, and you get to just hang out and relax, and you're fully accepted and loved. And I think that's how God wants us um, to know how he sees us. He hangs out with us. He is okay with what kind of day we've had. He's okay with who we are, with our weaknesses. He wants to just hang out with us. We get to dwell in him. Um, and so when I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, so what are t- what are some ways that we – Dwell with God? What are like practically, what does that look like? And the first thing that comes to mind is um, from the book, The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, which I'm sure a lot of you guys have read. And if you haven't read it, you've probably heard about it because I feel like everybody mentions it, but it's because it is so, so good. It's the most life changing book I've ever read, a really simple read. Um, And in it, Brother Lawrence, he was like this monk, and he talks about how he learned to enjoy God in every part of his life. And so really when we dwell with God, it's learning to recognize God's presence in whatever we're doing. If we're at work, if we're at home cleaning, if we're taking care of our kids, um, when we're doing things that we love, like with friends hanging out, or when we're doing things that we don't really love to do, um, finding God's presence in that place, being able to recognize God. I'm I don't love doing this work right now but you're in here in it with me and so therefore there's life in this place and y'all that changes everything when we stop seeing ourselves as going from like one fun thing to another fun thing or when can I get the next um where's my next place of joy coming from and realize we literally can have joy in life in every single moment because God is with us in it it changes everything and I think we forget that a lot of times I forget that a lot of I'll, get frustrated or whatever. And I'm like, God, you are with me in this. There's joy in life in this moment. Um, So that that awesome place of God, you, we can dwell with you. Um, the other one is um, spending time with God. And again, this is such a simple foundational thing. I feel like you hear it in every sermon preached, but just spending time with God is key. Um, and if y'all look at, there's a few Verses I want us to look at about spending time with God. Um, The first one is Psalm 90, 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. And that first one, that is a promise for us. He satisfies us. And I don't know about you guys, but when I wake up in the morning, a lot of days, if not every day, I'm exhausted and maybe I'm in a bad mood. Maybe I do want to do the work that day that I have, or maybe I don't. But I, I want to be satisfied, right? I don't always wake up feeling satisfied. He satisfies us. That's pretty motivating. Um, the second verse, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And that word joy, which comes up in all of these, God gives us joy. When we spend time with him, we walk away full of joy. And again, I don't think, it's not something that we always are joyful about what we're doing necessarily, but knowing that there is joy for us in God's presence. When I go and meet with him and spend time with him, I will find joy. Um, and then the last one in First Chronicles 16, 27, splendor and majesty are before him, strength and joy in his dwelling place. Strength is the last promise. Um, when we spend time with God, we're strengthened. And y'all, there are like we need strength. We have demands. We have expectations. We have all these things on our plates, and we need strength. I think about like um, just being a teacher. There, when I go in in the morning to work, I've got 20-something, 9- to 10-year-olds, a lot of them with high needs. You never really know what they're going to do. It's just one surprise after another. There are literally days that my, my co-teachers and I look at each other, and we're like, people would not believe what just happened. Like if you knew what some of the things kids do, you would not believe it. Like it's, it's kind of crazy sometimes. Um, but I need strength that day, or maybe it's just my own four kids who I love dearly, but within five minutes of being up can be fighting with each other constantly. And I'm like, I need strength just to be patient with them, you know? Um, and so I think just in looking at this, I'm like, these, verses are so motivating to me to get up out of bed go grab some coffee and spend time with God because he satisfies us he gives us joy and he strengthens us and I think we need that every single day there's there's just not really a day where I haven't needed it so far so um okay so go ahead and look with me at verse um three through four we're gonna move into how God is our protection Um, verse three and four, I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Okay. And so in that, that part, um, the fowler snare, I don't know about y'all, but I had no idea really what that was. I mean, I had kind of a guess, but I didn't really know. So if you look up on the screen, here's him little visual picture of it um, that picture just like caught me I was like oh my gosh that's a scary place to be so just just like that bird I mean that is us that isn't that exactly what the enemy loves to do to us to entangle us and trap us and that little bird like he is not getting out of there on his own he is stuck and I think that um, that that part where it says the fowler snare and the, the deadly pestilence, the disease, I can't help but think of um, what Hebrews talks about in Hebrews 12, where it says this sin that so easily entangles us. Um, To me, I'm like, that's a perfect picture of us. Um, We get entangled in sin. We get trapped and we can't get out. And I think sometimes we, our first response is, it's okay, I've got this. I'm going to get myself out. And we fight and we struggle and we realize, okay, it's not happening. So then I think another response some of us have is to just eventually quit And give up and just kind of sit there and be trapped and live in it. And neither of those is the place that God wants us to be, right? Jesus came and when he died on the cross, he cut those cords and set us free, the only one that can set us free um, and fully free. There is no partial freedom, right? God gives us complete freedom. Um, And so I just, I love that picture because I'm like, we don't realize it sometimes, but that's what we get ourselves into. Um, Just to share with you a little picture from my life. one of the ways I found myself kind of trapped like that was in unforgiveness. I mentioned to you that my dad left when I was 12. Um, for years, I couldn't forgive him. And I would try to and try to. I tried to get myself out of it, and I couldn't. And um, I did everything I knew how, but that, that anger and that bitterness and um, just hurt and the fact that I just couldn't let it go um, kept coming back up over and over again. And... Um, so I think I eventually got to the place where I was like, yes, I've, I've forgiven my dad. Like, as best I know how, I had, but I really hadn't. Um, when we went through the missions training school, at the end of it, everyone has to go through this, like, uh, one-hour counseling session with a counselor. It's just kind of like a part of the school. So um, I went in thinking, like, okay, everything's great, you know. Um, I met with Susan Peters, who's actually coming to speak in a few weeks, and she's so sweet. She's like, okay, just share with me a little bit about your life. And so I kind of share my story. And I was like, oh, yeah, and my dad left when I was 12. Um, and I don't see him anymore. And blah, 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 kept going on. And she was like, um, wait a minute, time out. Um, she's like, so you don't see your dad? anyway?" As I kind of started explaining stuff to her. She's like, I really feel like there's more there for you. I don't think you're really walking in the truth of forgiveness and the fullness of forgiveness. Um, and she's like, I think there's a place of reconciliation there for you. So I heard that, and I I think I knew right away, like, yes, what you're saying is true. I do not want to do it. I do not want to go back after not seeing my dad for 10 years and start a relationship with him again and work through all of the pain and all of the forgiveness stuff. Like, I don't want to. But I also, she kind of explained to me, like, sometimes when you believe a lie or you have this, like, one part of your life that is not quite in line with what God has for you, it can kind of throw everything else off. Like you're, she's like, you're missing out on so much that God has for you from this. And so, um, I didn't want that. I didn't want to miss out on what God has. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And it was so hard, but I did reconnect with my dad and, um, start a forgiveness process in a new way that I hadn't experienced before. And it was hard and really painful, but, um, so worth it, and it took years, and it's still, everything is not just like, oh, easy, as if nothing ever happened, like, no, but um, we were able to develop a relationship to where we love each other, we have forgiven each other, we have moved forward, um, and I'm I'm so thankful when I, a couple years ago, um, my dad called me, and he said, you know, I just, I went to the doctor, and I just found out I had, I have Parkinson's disease, and that, like, shook me, because I, I guess the reality of, okay, life doesn't just last forever, right, um, hit me, and then a couple years after that, he called me and said, I just found out I have terminal cancer, basically, um, with, you know, years maybe left, Um, and that, you know, puts everything into perspective, as I'm sure you can imagine, or if you've experienced anything like that, just, full perspective and all I could think of was I held on to this unforgiveness for 10 years and for 10 years I missed out on relationship with my dad not that he hadn't done anything wrong like he had there was pain and hurt there but because of my unforgiveness I had pushed him out and missed out on that 10 years of relationship and so It really just, I'm just so thankful to God for the work that he's done in setting me free from that, getting me out of that place so that I could experience a relationship with my dad in a new way and have really a restored relationship with him. Anyway, just kind of a a quick little picture. Um, If you look again at that verse, um, the last part of the verse says that God's faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. And, again, if you're like me, you read S.H.I.E.L.D., and you're like, got it. I got a picture of a S.H.I.E.L.D., you read Rampart, you're like, uh, I don't know what that is. Um, so, or at least I didn't. So, um, a Rampart. The um, definition of Rampart is it's a fortification, a mound of elevated earth capped with a stone, and anything serving as a defense. So, there's a picture up on the screen. I was like, I need to see this Rampart. What does this actually mean, right? Okay, so... There's the rampart, that little kind of slant thing, and what I picture is we're at the top part on the other side of that little wall, and Jesus's faithfulness to us is what is our shield. That is our defense. He Himself is our defense. Um, Revelation nineteen eleven talks about or describes Jesus as His name is faithful and true, um, and it says uh, with justice He judges and makes war. Y'all, He fights for our souls like we can't on our own, right? So I picture him riding his horse down at the bottom where that ditch is and the is coming to attack from the other side and we're back up there behind that little wall, safely protected. Like God is our protection, his commitment to us, his faithfulness to us, regardless of whether we're faithful or not, right? Um, his faithfulness is our defense and our protection. And that is just incredible. The fact that he is fighting for us, fighting for our souls, waging war on our behalf so that we can be safe and have life. Are you kidding? That's incredible, right? Um, Anyway, so I just, I want, I want y'all to have those two pictures because I think sometimes when we have those visual images, we can see like, oh, okay, this, this isn't just like a little shield. God's our shield is so happy and pretty. Like this is serious. God is so great. His greatness is so much more than we can understand. Um, Okay. Look back with me at verse five. We're going to read verse five through 10 you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. And that beginning verse, you will not fear. That is where God has made us to live in a place where we don't fear. Why? Because he is our protection. He himself protects us. And I think if you're like me, sometimes the things that we fear, like carrying around that fear is actually worse than the crazy thing itself or the whatever it is that you're fearing that actually happening, just carrying around that burden of fear is worse than whatever it is, you know? And so, In reading this, I'm like, God, that's so good. He doesn't want us to fear. He says, you don't have to fear. Will you see trials? Yes. Will you see and feel the attack of the enemy? Absolutely, you will. Will you experience it? Yes. But he has won. He has won the victory, and he protects us in it, right? Um, Just an awesome thing. So I heard a speaker once named Lisa Turkers, and she said, um, a quote that's always stuck with me, and it, it is, never take your eyes off of the master, because the master knows things you do not know, and I think in hearing that, I was like, yeah, we fear things a lot, the what if this happens, um, you know, and my dad getting cancer, well, what if he dies, well, he will, you know, eventually, so having to face that, we fear it a lot, But God says, don't look at those things. Keep your eyes on me because I know things that you don't know. I understand things that you don't understand. And so you see trials and you think, why? And what, this is so awful. But he sees trials and he's like, yeah, but I have a plan and I know. And there's goodness in it. There's goodness in me that you're going to find in this place. And so anyway, I hope that's encouraging to you guys. Um, Yeah. Okay, verse 11 through 12. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And this is a verse that Satan actually quotes in Matthew 4 to Jesus when he's tempting him. And I was just thinking, I was like, okay, why randomly this verse? It seems kind of like a, a random thing to pick to me. Um, and as I was looking, I was like, okay, Satan tempted God, Jesus with three things with food, a physical need. Um, this one, this one jumping off of a cliff protection. And then the third one was, um, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world, like importance and worldly significance. And when I was thinking about that, I was like, okay, those are three major needs we have. Like he hit on the big ones, right? And Jesus's response to that one of, will God catch you? That is a, hey, will your father who you said is so good, who's promised to be there for you. Will he really catch you? And kind of pressing on that place of, will your father protect you? Is he really a good father? Is he really going to do what he says he's going to do? And Jesus, without a doubt, says, you know, like doesn't stumble. And he says, you know, the word says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He doesn't stumble over it because he knows his father. He's dwelled in his father. um, And he knows the truth that God's protection is greater than anything we can imagine. Um, and so I love that. I'm like, okay, that's a, that's a big one that, that we know God's protection. Um, okay, verse 13, you will tread upon the lion and the cobra, you will trample the great lion and the serpent. And when I read this originally, I kind of picture this like little kid in this like swampy area, like fighting these um, snakes and lions and like kind of screaming and kind of mad. Um, But when I read, I looked up the word tread and trample, and I want to read the definitions to you um, because it created a whole new picture in my mind. So tread means to set down the foot and step, to walk on or over. Trample, to cause damage or pain by walking or stepping heavily on something or someone, to bruise, crush, or injure. And when I read that, what stood out to me is the word walk. So in that place when there's lions and Serpent or snakes, or whatever it is, the things coming at you, the things attacking you, our response is to walk forward through it, not to fight, not to look at them and focus on the things that are challenging and to be overwhelmed by them or worry about them and fear them, but to walk forward with Jesus in the path of victory that he has already given us, right? He has already fought for it, he has already laid it out before us. And our job is simply to walk through it, don't worry about the things going on around us and all the craziness because it's always going to be there, right? But to keep walking forward. And um, as I was kind of working through this, I feel like God's saying that's a word for us today. Some of us have stopped moving forward. And I think when you stop and you start focusing on all the things around you and you focus on the attacks that are coming at you or your circumstances around you, You stop and focus on them, and you put yourself in a vulnerable place to be attacked. And all of a sudden, you've lost your focus. And God's word to us is, no matter what's going on, keep walking forward. Keep abiding in Jesus. Keep spending time with him. Whatever you feel, don't worry about that. Whatever you see, your job is simply to walk in the path of victory that God's given you. Um, And so I, I, I pray that and hope that for our church that we will be a people that walk forward no matter what's going on um and i think in the process we see the enemy crushed that's where we see him defeated and we we see the victory that god has already given us um okay then the last part verse 13 through 16 because he loves me says the lord i will rescue him i will protect him for he acknowledges my name he will call upon me and i will answer him i will be with him in trouble i will deliver him and honor him With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And in reading this, y'all, first of all, we can just stop and pause because God speaks to us. That alone is enough. The end, we're done, right? Like, that's incredible that God speaks to us. And this is just an ordinary thing. He just kind of up and starts talking. It's not some big, crazy thing. And I think that's what God has for us is to live that part of that dwelling with him comes when we recognize that he's speaking to us. Um, in whatever it is that we're doing during the day. Um, And so, okay, I want to look at these promises again. I've kind of laid them out in a different way where they're personalized because that is how God's word is. It's personal for us. Sometimes I think we read it and we're like, yeah, yeah, God delivers us. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. That person over there, he delivers and he takes care of them and gets them out of trouble. But it's not that way. His word is personal for us for you and me specifically today, right now, every one of us, right? Okay, so we're going to read them again um, with you in there. So I will rescue you. I will protect you. I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you. I will honor you. I will satisfy you with long life. And I will show you my salvation. And those are some pretty powerful promises that we have from God like his goodness to us is too much. And if, if we look at our responses, super simple. We love God. We get to acknowledge him and call upon him. Like when we're in trouble, we can call upon him. I think I can do that, right? Those are three simple responses. We just get to love him and, love him and acknowledge him. We get to call upon him, ask him for help, ask him when we're in need. Um, and he gives us all of himself, right? We have so many benefits in knowing and following God. Like he's such a good father to us. I really, it's it's kind of overwhelming. Um, and so I would encourage you just to, in looking at these, I think sometimes we forget them or we, we stop believing them. Like maybe you've forgotten that like God really answers you every time you call on him. Um, and so I'd encourage you today, just as you're reading through those, what are the ones that you're like, God, I need faith for that again. I've forgotten that. Or like, I really, I I need to experience um, the fact that you honor me, that you distinguish me. Um, I need to experience whatever it is. Does that make sense? Um, and so, it just as as the band kind of comes up, I want us to respond by looking back again at the first um, kind of the three foundational characteristics of who God is in this and. As you're looking through those, what is the one that is really standing out to you that you're like, God, I need, I need that kind of, um, refreshment either of dwelling in God, experiencing his presence and his rest all the time. Um, or maybe it's, I need to know your protection. I feel kind of vulnerable right now. I don't, I feel like I'm focused on all the things going on around me or I'm really living in fear and I need to know your protection in a deeper way, um, or maybe it's the fact that you need to hear him speak those promises. Like you specifically need to hear those are for you. And you need to feel it and know it in in kind of a new way. Um, so whatever it is, um, I encourage you just to ask God. Our response, again, is just to call on him. Simple. And he promises to fill us. So God, um, thank you so much for being a good father. Lord, we acknowledge that you are. And we're so grateful to know you um i pray just for each person here god would you speak to us and show us show us where we are lacking in faith show us where you are wanting to encourage us where you're wanting to move in our lives and do something new in us um and we just we give you our hearts and we say that we're yours we want all of you we don't want any place in our lives untouched or left kind of closed off to you but we are fully open to you and your work in jesus name
2: stand. We're going to sing this simple chorus together as we close. Just reminding ourselves of who He is, of His promises towards us. I remind myself of all that You've done and the life I have because of Your Son. I remind myself of all that you've done And the life I have because of your
3: son Love came down and rescued me Love came down and set me free I am yours I am forever Mountain high or valley low, I sing out, remind my soul, I am yours, I am forever yours.
2: I remind myself of all that you've done, You're so good, and the life I have because of your son. I remind myself of all that you've done. Oh, in the life I have, because
3: of your son. Love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. I am yours. I am forever yours. Mountain high you valley low, I sing out, remind my soul, I am yours, I am forever yours, love came down, love came down and rescued me, love came down and set me free, I am yours, I am forever Mountain high a valley low. I sing out in mind my soul. I am yours, I am forever yours. I mind my soul I am yours